Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Broadcast it live. There are balls coming from all over the place. Left field, center field, right field. See, this this is the kind of thing, quite honestly, right now, that makes you want to see the Chicago Cubs team lose. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? It'll be fun. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland! Get in the you talking to me? You talking to me? That is the farthest thing in the universe from the truth. Hello, everyone, live. It's the Dan Scott Show. And right there is your host, Dan Scott. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome to the show slash podcast slash get together whatever you want to call this grumpy old broadcasters the dan scott show whatever it is we are here we are excited to be back and looking forward to a great episode episode 37 of the podcast and uh, stop me if you've heard this one before but we've got a good one for you today and I always mean that when I say it. I know I qualify it every time, but I guess I'm the eternal optimist. But today is one I believe that you're going to really enjoy because we get a chance to visit for an extended interview with five-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, and 1982 National League Rookie of the Year, Steve Sachs, who is most notably known for his time with the Los Angeles Dodgers, also played for the New York Yankees, is now uh, in his sixth or seventh year, I believe, uh, with MLB Network Radio uh, as an analyst. Uh, Just an incredible guy with an incredible story that you are not going to want to miss. And, And we'll tell you more about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, I do need to tell you, A couple of things. Number one, we'd love to interact with you as far as uh, feedback on the podcast. And you can do so uh, simply by sending me an email, thedanscottshow at gmail.com, thedanscottshow at gmail.com. Also, that the podcast is brought to you each and every episode by our friends, the presenting sponsors, Todaro Pizza on Markley Street, in downtown Greenville, just down the street from Floor Field at the West End where the Greenville Drive play. Happy to report that the lunch buffet is back. Sunday through Friday, lunchtime, all you can eat for just 8 bucks, nine fifty with a drink, and that's a discount on the drink price. The buffet is tremendous, and then also Dollar Slice Night is back every Wednesday night beginning at 6 p.m. It's rocking and rolling again at Todaro Pizza. It is bucket list stuff. If you're coming into the upstate for the first time, you've got to try Todaro Pizza. You can tell them you heard about them here on uh, the uh, podcast. And, of course, they are a staple on our Greenville Drive broadcasts as well. All right, we need to take a break and tell you about some of the other people who uh, make this podcast possible. And then when we come back, a great interview with Steve Sachs. 
Stay with us. Episode 37 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters slash The Dan Scott Show continues in just a moment. Dan Scott here for the Atlanta Bread Company. What do I like about Atlanta Bread? Well, too much to mention in a short commercial, but here are a few things. Bread baked daily fresh on site, a tremendous selection of soup, sandwiches, and salads, seasonal special additions to the menu, delicious hot coffee, and a bevy of other drink options, and yeah, can't forget about the baked sweet goodies. Dine in or carry out, and when you have the Atlanta Bread Company app, you can order and pay online, then breeze past the lines to the pickup counter to get your food. Experience it for yourself. That's the Atlanta Bread Company, Cherry Dale Point in Greenville. Let me tell you something, Cowboy. This rookie can really bring the heat. He's smoky and spicy with a Chipotle style all his own. It's a new Montgomery and Chipotle barbecue sauce. Make it a part of your home team. Available now at your neighborhood grocer or online at CincyFavorites.com. Sometimes in life, you simply need to treat yourself to the best. And every time you lift a refreshing soda from Hank's Beverages to your lips, you're simply already a winner. It doesn't matter if it's a root beer, orange cream, vanilla cream, black cherry, or grape soda. There's a reason Hank's Beverages has been known as Philly's best for well more than a decade. Find Hank's online at hanksbeverages.net, or you can find their product here in the upstate at Ingalls Supermarkets, Lowe's Grocery Stores, and Harris Teeter. You might know that State Farm agent Ed Patterson has great service. He's your good neighbor, after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates, too? Yep, that's right. Along with good neighbor service, State Farm agent Ed Patterson has surprisingly great rates for everyone in Greenville. So call State Farm agent Ed Patterson at 864-322-0031 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. Once again, this is episode 37 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters and or the Dan Scott Show. Just a heads up, um, we are going to be rebranding, in fact, in the process of doing that now, rebranding this to simply the Dan Scott Show podcast to try and avoid any confusion, kind of stay on point with the branding. And also, as we're getting rolling here in the summer uh, and heading toward the fall, I can also reveal that uh, on TuneIn Radio, there is now the Dan Scott Show channel. And uh, the way we're going to use that is not only having some of these interviews that we do on the podcast that are available and playing in rotation, but also, you know, I've got 20 years of archive material since I started the talk show way back uh, in uh, 2001, the daily talk show at the Clemson station. So I've got 20 years of archive material. We're going to be pulling out some of the best of stuff there, quote unquote, best of. You can probably decide that on your own. And then also using it as a way to share some of my testimony, some of my speaking to church groups, churches, to men's groups, sharing some of my heart from a Christian perspective as well. I call the channel, the Dan Scott Show channel, Talk Radio with a Heart. And I hope that you'll check it out on TuneIn Radio. It's playing right now with some place setter interviews that include the likes of uh, Marty Brenneman, Jason Whitlock, Dave Sims, the Mariners broadcaster, Dave Parker, the Hall of Famer, all these guys who've been on this podcast within the last year. Uh, also, former big leaguer David DeLucci interview I did with him back in 2017. And then there are also 
uh, three or four talks that I've given to various churches and organizations uh, sharing, again, some of my testimony. All that's playing in kind of a place-setter mode. It doesn't have the usual uh, branding or whatever you want to call the imaging, which is the radio word, uh, with uh, lead-ins and, and the music and the stingers and all that stuff. All that's coming. But those interviews are there now, playing in rotation, and you can find it again on TuneIn Radio at the Dan Scott Show channel. So check that out and uh, give us a little feedback on that as well. All right, I had an opportunity going back uh, almost two weeks, not quite, to visit with Steve Sachs, the uh, former Rookie of the Year, five-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. He and he visited with Tom Van Hoy and I at a Greenville Drive baseball game. His nephew, Nick Sogard, plays for the Greenville Drive. That just didn't seem long enough, so uh, I got uh, connected with his sister, Nick's mother, uh, Steve's sister, Tamara, and she facilitated getting us an extended interview with Steve. And this is going to be about 43, 44 minutes somewhere in that general vicinity. And it's really good stuff, folks, because he, he is not shy holding back his opinion on today's game, what he likes about it, what he doesn't like about it. And then the thing about halfway through the interview that I really wanted to delve into, the, the throwing problem he had in 1983 that almost derailed his career, how he overcame that and how he's using that now to help other people. It's really amazing and speaks highly of this guy. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did just a couple of days ago. We recorded it on uh, the 12th, on Monday of, of this week. This episode is dropping on Tuesday, so it was yesterday. Uh, the interview that I did with former big leaguer Steve Sachs. And, all right, here we go. Well, I had a chance to interview this next guy during a Greenville Drive broadcast uh, going back uh, a week or so ago, and it just didn't seem like enough time, and he was kind enough to, to grant us an opportunity to, to do a little more of an extended version here on the Dan Scott Show, and uh, we're happy to welcome in five-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, Steve Sachs, uh, and, and now a broadcaster. I guess like a lot of athletes, you ventured into the world of broadcasting. First of all, good to have you with us. Uh, what do you like better, playing or broadcasting? Oh, uh, you know what? There's nothing like playing, but uh, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, so you got to do with, uh, with what you have, and uh, all I have is my, my voice now. But um, I, I love playing, and I love the, I love the game. Um, and so now I've I, I stayed in it through – uh, you know, through the world of broadcasting, I did some radio or some TV. Now I'm doing radio with MLB Network Radio, uh, and been with them for about seven, eight years now, and I enjoy it. And uh, getting ready to launch my own podcast, which uh, actually starts coming out uh, this week. Uh, we're going to start with what we call some shorts that are going to be small blurbs uh, throughout the country on different stations, uh, and then our long form broadcast will be uh, twice a week. Uh, until we get to the first of the year, and then we're going to go every week. So it's going to be a continually evolving broadcast. I'm looking forward to it. And you're going to call this what? It's going to be, the name of it is Sacks in the Morning. Um, we're encouraging people to listen to it in the morning because we're going to have some great, uh, some great things for you to take uh, throughout your day and some, uh, you know, some inspirational stuff since I'm a speaker. That's the other thing I do. 
Um, we're going to try to uh, invoke a lot of the positive nature that I think is important for people to, you know, live their best life. And so that's why we're encouraging a morning listen. And, uh, you know, they can get it whenever they want, but best, best uh, done before they start work. And we'll be available on all of the usual podcast outlets. Yep. Yes, your favorite podcast outlet will be there. Again, it's uh, Saks in the Morning. Okay, we'll be sure to hit that again before we, we wrap up. Uh, it's talking about the broadcasting and, and after you retired as a player. I think it was Mickey Mantle who said he never realized how easy the game of baseball was until he got into the broadcast booth. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Mickey Mantle, also the guy that said that I tried to hit a home run every time up. I thought, you know, when you're, when you're a player, you just try to emphasize the easy swing, you know, just, you know, let the pitcher do all the work and just meet the ball kind of out there in front. Not Mickey Mantle. He said, I tried to hit the ball as far as I could every single time up. So I just thought that I, I love his candor, you mm -hmm. know, the fact that he just went out there and said it like it was. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot, there's, a, there's a, a, a big nugget of truth in what he's saying. He also, um, it seems a lot easier from the from the broadcast booth. Yeah, he also talked about the number of times that he struck out, and and I think he figured it up where he he went five or six full seasons without ever making contact with the ball. Once wow. you put those together, but it's interesting wow. the way the game has changed, Steve, because Mickey Mantle, with his number of strikeouts in his career, would almost be looked at as a contact hitter today, oh, yeah. based on how strikeouts have risen in the past few years. Yes, it's it's crazy. I mean, we could. We could spend four hours talking about this subject and the approach, and we talk about, you know, the shift. And I, I don't think we're seeing the mean batting average drop to about 230 uh, is, is because of the shift. I see it because of, of the, uh, the approach to the hitter, of the hitter. You know, there's, there's wide gaps in the infields nowadays they don't take advantage of. They still try to hit the ball out of the ballpark. That's why... People talk about there's no excitement in the game. It's slowed down. We need to speed the game up. Uh, balls aren't in play. That's because everybody's either trying to hit a home run or strike out. I mean, the, the strikeout, Dan, when I played, a strikeout was extremely embarrassing. To strike out and to make that walk back to the dugout, knowing that that guy shoved you, it's, it was really embarrassing to me. Uh, today, it's, they, they saunter back. They, you know, just kind of a little pop on their step and they go back to the dugout and not a big deal, but uh, I, when I was playing, here, let me give you an example. You talk, you, you talk about Bay, uh, Mickey Mantle and how he would have been almost a contact hitter. You know, Babe Ruth was known for his prol prolific strikeouts as well. Never struck out 100 times in a year. Babe Ruth never did. Of mm -hmm. course, he had a 342 lifetime average. That had something to do with it, but never struck out 100 times in his career. But when he did, it was a work of art. If you, yeah. if you go back and look at the films. Him, yeah, from the ground. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the, 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 thing, the thing that drives me crazy, Steve, or one of the things that drives me crazy is I follow a bunch of the national writers on Twitter to try and stay in as close contact with what's going on in today's game as I can. And not one of them, when they talk about the issues in the game, they, they talk about the spin rate, they talk about all of these other things going on and should the shift be eliminated, but not a single person who covers the game or seemingly anybody in the game is putting any of the onus back on the hitters, just right. like you did, for not being willing to adjust with two strikes, not being willing to do some of the things that used to be uh, a, a, a staple in the game. And I don't want to sound like the crotchety old man here, but I just find it interesting that nobody is putting any of the onus on the hitters to make adjustments. Right. right. That That's that's it right there, Dan. That's, that's the whole thing is um, – 
you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that say, you know, well, in my day, you know, I, I could have done this or that. It's like the further you get away from the game, the older you are, the better player you were. I, I don't ever want to be that game guy. I know how hard the game is. It's it's a really hard game to play. All aspects of the game are difficult. Um, and so I don't want to be that guy. But nonetheless, I I see the approach of the hitters today, and I just shake my head. I was like, you know, you got you could drive a truck through the right side right there. The guy's pitching you away. Why wouldn't you just hit a ground ball and, and be, you know, a ground ball to, to the right side with a shift on is a base hit. It's the same thing if you hit a, a laser beam to left field and it's a one hop to the, to the left fielder. What's the difference? It, it counts just the same. You know, uh, I, I don't get why they don't do that. And you know, sometimes the pendulum, as it swings too far one way, is definitely going to come back. The pendulum is going to come back, whether it's the approach of the hitter um, and, or whatever else it may be. Here's another thing that really kind of gets me, uh, uh, Dan, was when they they change the rules of the game. You can't engage the middle infielders anymore. You can't run into the catcher, basically. They're always trying to find a way to protect the players physically. I know why. I get why. But I, I, I just can't understand why they change the rules instead of players. Tell the players to turn the double play the correct way and don't lock out your leg in the baseline where a runner is coming down there with his heart full of, of uh, ferocity. And, you know, do you think that, uh, that you might want to turn the double play correctly and get out of the way of the runner? And no, nowadays you just, you just can't even touch the guy. So they changed the rules, the uh, Buster Posey rule as well. Can't, can't do that. The, the, the neighborhood play at second base. Nope. That's not good anymore either. Um, baseball was great with all of its warts. That's what made the game the, the great thing it is baseball is sanitized now baseball has gone to therapy you can't you can't do those things you can't question an umpire today you get thrown out of the game yeah, yeah some some of the i don't want to say greatest moments of the game but some of the most memorable moments of the game you know thinking back to as long as i've been following the game you know watching earl weaver go after an umpire watching Lou Pinella pick up you know, first base in Cincinnati and fling it out into right field yeah. and and those things and I know those are are the extreme, but uh, and, and you played for a guy who who could get a little salty with an umpire as well as Tommy Lasorda. I used to love to watch watch Tommy and if the light was behind it, you could see the spit just going all <laughs> over the guy. I mean, I mean, hard, you know. So, but but Dan, those days are gone. They're gone. Can't do that anymore. Yeah, and, and I think the game suffers because of it. Yeah, you're right. There, there's no – on one hand, they're trying to promote the individuality of the players and these young stars, which I think is good. But on the other hand, they're taking some of that individuality and color completely out of the game. So it seems to be yes. counterproductive. I, I agree. I, I mean, it's it's gone so legal. I mean, where's the personality in the game? They're trying to – you know, get more of the young audience in the game. Well, you're not going to do it with a sanitized uh, game of baseball. You want to just wipe out all those things, wipe out the personality in the game, change the rules so we don't understand it. Um, and, and you know, the other thing is, who are these minions with the shoot and tie on that said, well, the game is too slow? But who are these people? I mean, wh when I was a young kid, my dad would take us to Candlestick Park in San Francisco every other year, maybe. And we would choose uh, a game that was like a doubleheader. They had doubleheaders then. And we would go there, and it's the seventh inning of the second game. And, you know, my dad's telling us, well, we're going to have to leave. We were, we were disappointed we had to leave. 
we want the games to be longer. We enjoy going out to the ballpark, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. When when we go, and I'm 54, and when I still go, and we're going next week, as a matter of fact, I go when the gate's open so I can see, you know, the end of batting practice and, and spend the time there. And, and I've made this argument with people, Steve. I don't think it is the length of the game that's a problem. It's the pace of the game to me. If, if, if a game is being crisply played and, and contested and there's a lot of action going on and it takes three hours, three hours and 15 minutes, whatever, I'm fine with that. It's, it, it's you know, taking two minutes between pitches and guys stepping out after every pitch or waiting yeah. till their walk-up music is done before they get into oh. the box. What, one, of the, one of the funniest and yet most telling things that I've seen a couple of years ago, and, and you may have seen this, but it was after I think the 2019 Kentucky Derby was run, and they overlaid the entire Kentucky Derby onto Zach Greinke. And, and in two minutes and 20 seconds or whatever it took to run the Derby, he threw exactly two pitches. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a great, that's a great analogy right there, great comparison. Um, yeah, I, I hear you on that. And, uh, you know, in, in, when I was playing, if you – a walk-up song, they'd say, why don't you get a bass hit and think about that instead of what kind of music you're – see, you, you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about they're trying to promote the individual. I've had enough of the individual stuff. I really have. I mean, coming around second, coming to third, and doing the dance that they do before they hit third, and then they – you know what? When I was playing, you'd get one right there, and I'm pointing to my ear, mm-hmm. and I'm not exaggerating. But this, this, this whole thing about – hitting the home run and kissing yourself all over the, your, your arms. And when you're going, it's just, it's, it's a bit much for me. I, I grew up in a, in a time where it was all about the team and you moved runners over and you made a productive out and you know, you bunted if you had to, you sacrificed wide. The analogies that they make today, the, the uh, thought process of, well, we don't want to bunt because we're going to give up an out. Well, you're going to get a run though. How many times are you going to, you know, leave a guy at second base, you know, and you don't score anything. So you don't see times today where there's a, a manufactured run in that somebody walks, steals second, goes to third on a bunt, and scores on a sacrifice fly, where you score a run without getting a hit. You don't see that today. We actually had uh, exactly that sequence happen in a Greenville Drive game uh, just on this completed homestand. And I told Tom on the air, I said, I think I'm going to cry. old time fundamental baseball right i mean and i i I love i love home runs steve and and i like i I like i like to see power pitchers strike out guys but i i I don't want to see nothing but home runs and strikeouts yes i i I would love to see home runs all the time but i want to see a sprinkling a smattering if you will of some of the fundamentals that actually count i was watching a a classic uh, tv game the other day and the Dodgers were playing the Yankees in 77, I, I believe. Ron Say came up to bat, the Penguin, and there was runners on first and second, nobody out. Bunted the guy over. Bunted two runners over. And I was like, whoa, I was shocked to see him square around. A guy hitting in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, he's a home run hitter. He, you know, he hit 30 bombs a year. And this is a guy bunting. There, there, was, so. another, there was another situation in, in the just-completed homestand where uh, the, the team, the drive, was playing Aberdeen. They had hit two or three home runs inside the first couple of innings and 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 one of their guys in either the third or the fourth inning came up to the plate and took a swing so hard that he fell down and I told Tom on the air I said you know there's a a time in the past in the game where the next pitch would have been at his ear hole oh 
absolutely. There's no question about that. And I'm not a fan of throwing at somebody's head, um, but a nicely placed 96 underneath the armpit yeah, where the ball falls in the batter's box and they can't sleep for two. I had a few of those. Those, <laughs> those work real nice. Uh, and so uh, if you're going to get the bank for your buck, that's where you want to get it. And look, I remember one time I got hit, the one I was just telling you about. And Jerry Royce, remember Jerry Royce yes. was pitching that game. Jerry didn't say a word uh, to me, but when the third out was made and I was getting my glove to go on the field, he walked, I was still sitting down and he walked by me, grabbed his glove, was right next to me. He looked at me, he had a smirk on his face, he just winked. And, and I knew exactly what he was going to do. First guy, he got it right there in the armpit. I mean, you know, that's what you do. Baseball has been through world wars. It's been through earthquakes. It's been through uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and uh, work stoppages and you can you can name it, okay? Uh, and baseball has still survived. Baseball polices itself and it's done a real good job of it. Uh, I don't think we need all this intervention, changing the rules, softball rules now, putting a guy at second base and extra yeah. innings, you know, making the three batter minimum so you take the uh, the the you know strategy out of the out of the uh, the manager's hands. I mean. It's, that's where it, it's it's too much intrusion on baseball. Then I guess the next question is two parts. Why don't they see it, and will it change? Uh, I'll do the second one first. It's going to change. It, it'll change because if it doesn't, it won't survive. That's that's what I think. Um, and uh, what was the, the first why, one? Is, why, um, why don't the people running baseball see this? Right. Because the people running baseball want to, um, they they want to be. First of all, they think they're smarter than everybody else. Guys our age are, are you know old and decrepit, and they don't get it. Um, even though even though I played eight almost eighteen years of professional baseball, I, I I don't get it. These guys are smarter. Uh, they think they are, and they want to fix something. And if they don't fix something, they don't have a job. So they're, they're doing this uh, basically to keep a job. That's why I look at it. Rob Manford, I mean, r really? You want to go through, change this game that's just been an institution in this country? All of a sudden, you figured it out? Right. Really? For, 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 for 150 years, the owners have tried to kill the game of baseball and were unable to, and now Rob Manford might be succeeding. Yeah, he might be succeeding because he's changing the damn rules so much, and you know, you talk about we want to get that occasional fan. I don't know how this gets an occasional fan, but I, I will say in doing this, you're going to lose your base. That's what you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And that's what you can't lose is your base. That's what I think is happening. That's why the, uh, the uh, you know, attendance in baseball has gone down a lot in the last seven years. It's only been level uh, two years, and the rest of the time it's gone down. And that's probably why. We're visiting with Steve Sachs, the five-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. Before we move on to something else, what do you like about today's game? I love the athleticism. Uh, I got to go back and coach in 2013 with the D-backs, and I loved being on the field. I had a great relationship with the players. Um, I love the athleticism. I, I will say this. I think most players today uh, haven't changed at all from when I played. Most players today um, are in it. Uh, emotionally involved in what they're doing. They're, they're both feet are in it. I think most players don't play for the money. And I was glad to see that side of it. Now there's some times where we see the opposite, but for the most part, I, I don't think things have changed in, in quite a while. So I love the athleticism. I think players are physically more talented now. I think they're, they can do more things. 
Um, I, I think it's kind of blown out a, a little bit when they talk about how everybody throws 95 and 100. The, the, the judge machines they use today, I think, are a little bit expanded. They, they, they test the ball coming out of, I think, out of the hand now. Yes. And when I was playing, they tested the ball coming over the plate. So they did a they did a, a reverse and, and they did a uh, they did a, a test on Nolan Ryan uh, from his videos and they tested it coming out of the hand like they do now and he was 108. So that's still harder than anybody's thrown today. I had Leo Mazzoni on the podcast sometime last year and he made that exact point that he wasn't yeah. buying all of these numbers that you're seeing just because of that that issue yeah. that they're clocking the ball coming directly out of the hand instead of when it crosses the plate. Correct. And, and I believe that Leo is right on it. He's got a lot of credibility being the pitching coach for the Braves for all those years, rocking in the dugout. Yeah. Um, yeah. He knows what's going on. And, you know, and I, I, I sit behind the plate. I sat behind the plate at the Greenville game uh, last week. Uh, and, you know, by and large, the people, the pitchers in Greenville uh, and the, and the opposition, they, they don't throw much harder in the big leagues. As a matter of fact, some cases they don't. Um, they they can get a giddy up there at 95, 97. I see I see that, um, but just watching with the naked eye, I can tell you I don't see any difference uh, between that and when I played. I see about the same velocity. You know, uh, I, I don't see it being oh this is a stark difference when I no it's it's about the same. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who I talk about who cover the game that need to hear this conversation as we continue to yeah. visit with Steve Sachs. The week before you joined us. In the, the drive broadcast booth, uh, Heim Bloom, the chief baseball operations uh, guy for the Red Sox, was in town, and, and he joined us. And I, and I got to tell you, 38 years old, Yale graduate, never played, but, but he was an impressive guy. He said one thing, though, that I disagreed with, and we were talking about some of these issues in, in baseball and, and how to get more action back in the game. He said that one team – is not going to change it, that baseball has to do it globally. And the reason I say I disagree with him is because one team, correct me if I'm wrong, but one team is the one who kind of ushered in this era that we have now, and that's Oakland going back to the beginnings of Moneyball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I could add another one. I could say Tampa is another one that's done it with very little resources, but a very resourceful team with not much resources. Um, they've done that whole thing where they introduced the, the pen game, you know, where you have the – Bullpen guy start, then a guy, another guy comes in and takes up four innings, and then and it's been very successful for them. Oakland, uh, yes, they they started that whole philosophy about money ball. Here, here's the push on that though: is um, I kind of measure uh, the success of the money ball philosophy and whatnot. I look at that by measuring how many times in that philosophical nature that they've won the World Series, mm -hmm. and the answer to that is zero. And well, then the second question is, well, how many times have they been to the World Series in Moneyball? And again, the answer is zero. So to me, it, it's, it's good to a point. And, and I do believe what they do is, is good. I think Billy Bean should get the, the GM of the year every year because he does it and he does it well. I mean, you're talking about a team that can go out and, and, and find these guys, these gems that can get on base that don't necessarily have the biggest names, but they do all these other things and they're and I get that. And, and I, and I think it does mean something, but sooner or later, you got to have some, you got to have some big studs in your team. You got, you got to have guys that can just, it doesn't matter what the numbers are, those guys. And if you don't have those guys, that leadership and those kind of guys that just kind of wipe those numbers away, 
then you know, chance it's going to be really difficult to go all the way and, mm-hmm. and win it. But I, I dig the philosophy. I think it's I think it's worse. Yeah. Well, I also got a, a kick out of it as as that was becoming the fad. Uh, it was easy to win games with that mindset when your rotation had Tim Hudson, Mark Mulder, and uh, the the other the left hander whose name just escapes me right now. Uh, it, but it's e- it's e- it, it's it's easy to win games when you've got three of the best pitchers in baseball who just happen to be in your rotation. You can o- offer up almost any philosophy you want. Well, they said the same thing about well the the, the you know the, the Boston Red Sox won it back then, and they were using that sub. Yeah, and they had they had Pedroia and Veritek and Big Poppy, and <laughs> I could have won that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the Red Sox did it, yeah. But look at the players they had. So. Yeah. 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 What the Red Sox did with their payroll and what Oakland does with its payroll. That's that's a whole other story and a whole other issue. We're visiting with Steve Sachs here on the Dan Scott show. One of the reasons that I wanted to to redo this is because you've been so open and so willing to talk about a moment in your career that almost took you out of the game of baseball. And you've described it. Your word was humiliating. And you've Mm -hmm. used that as a way to turn around and help other people. And, And When I find stories like that, Steve, I really want to dive into those because I think the world needs to hear more of those kind of stories. Let's go back to 1983. You're coming off of a rookie of the year season in in 1982. The Dodgers have won the World Series championship when you you first came up in in 81, which was a strike-shortened year. So you're, you're kind of riding high, man. You're on top of the world, expected to be a fixture in the Dodgers lineup, which you would be for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, the wheels fell off. You couldn't make the routine throw from second base to first. It's Damn. probably too simple of a question to ask what happened, but what happened? It it was just the damnedest thing. You know, I, uh, uh, I, I get asked this question still, and it's a very relevant question. I, I'm able to help out people, the young men, young, young girls, that, young ladies that are play base are playing baseball and softball and they have this issue. It's more it's more it's out there more than you think. It mm-hmm. really is. So I'm able to still help people all the time uh, that are going through this type of thing. Um, and people always always refer to it as well. He had a mental block about throwing the ball and da da da. And the thing was it had nothing to do with the mental block at all. There wasn't a mental issue. And there's a there, it's a long story how I got over this. It was a conversation I had with my dad. Um, the day before he died, it was the last conversation wow. I ever had with him. And it's in my book, uh, shift, change your mindset and you change your world. Um, it, it was all about mindset. That's what happened. And I allowed myself through, uh, through, you know, not controlling your thoughts in a positive manner to, um, to start getting into, um, a negative thought now and again, which can, which can pollute your whole mindset. And that's essentially what what happened? I would kind of like the fear of failure. You know, you didn't want to fail, and that's that's exactly what happened. So anyway, I um, my my whole issue was to get my confidence back, and that's all it was. It, it wasn't a mental block at all. I could see good. I could drive. I could speak clearly. It wasn't anything about a mental block. It was a temporary loss of confidence. That's what I had. It the 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 throwing the ball away was a manifestation of of, uh, of of a loss of confidence. When I got my confidence back, and the way I did it is I did it in practice, the way you prepare, and I got my confidence back one step at a time in practice. And, you know, I talk about it all the time, too. If, uh, you know, you drop a penny in the bank of success every day, 
and you double those efforts over the course of a month, a penny today, two cents the next day, four cents the next day. And you just do this little by little, the stepping stones over the course of a month. At the end of 30 days, you can build yourself a fortune. So that's kind of what I did and the way I was thinking. One step at a time in practice, it started to change the way I would think. And the way I, the way I was thinking was changing to more positive nature. And guess what? The throwing problem went away. It, was, it, it went away like that, and I went to the American League and led the league in fielding at my position. Yeah. So crazy thing. That, that was 1983. Right. Had that happened in the ultra 24-7 media, social media world that we have in 2021, would you I'd have gotten gone. over it? I'd have been gone, first of all, um, and probably sent down, maybe traded, maybe lost my position, uh, maybe put me in the outfield. You know, Tommy Lasorda was so instrumental. He told me, he said, I had this conversation not long before he died. He said, um, I never thought about taking you out of the lineup because I know whatever confidence you had would have been crushed and it would have wrecked you if I would have taken you out. And, you know, I think there was only one, I made 30 years that year. And I think there was only one game that cost us a game. Only one, one error cost us a game. I would make, make him in the, you know, seventh, eighth inning, we're up six runs and it just, you know, something very nebulous, uh, but only one error cost us a game. So uh, you, you didn't have social media then, but you did have the U.S. Postal Service. And, and you told us during the Greenville Drive broadcast about one particular letter. It, it was funny, but obviously it wasn't funny. But the way you told the story was funny. Yeah. Well, it's what happened was, is that I was getting, well, I was getting letters and cards from all over the country. I, I got one, I got some, a card from a bookie guy, a, a, a booking agent in, in uh, Las Vegas. And this guy was, I think he was with the mob because he sent me a <laughs> postcard and it said one more error we're going to put a bullet in your head when you come to new york because they couldn't get a clean bet on the games when you know when they were going against us and that was kind of scary but the other one that you're talking about was i got a letter from a 12 year old softball player from sammamish washington and the girl says hey mr Sachs, i'm 12 years old and i play softball in a girls league what's your i can make that throw what's your deal you know and, and there was it you know there's nothing more humiliating than being a professional athlete, getting paid millions of dollars and can't throw it from here to there. It's it's just the most embarrassing thing that you'd ever go through. At least she called you Mr. Sachs. Yeah, that was, that was a, a hint of fact. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So so as I mentioned during the, the the drive visit, every time this issue comes up with a big league player, now your phone rings, and I ask you then, I'll ask you now, do you get tired of answering those phone calls? No, I actually, Dan, I, I don't because I think it's a, uh, I think it's a great sign of respect that, that people would look to me to kind of help their kid. And I've always wanted to help somebody's child. I think uh, that's a, maybe that's a gift that God let me do to help somebody else. And uh, I always think it's a blessing when somebody would ask me for an autograph still today. So I never do uh, take that for granted. And if I can, you should, you know, this last message I got was uh, from a, a family in Alabama and the guy called me up and said, look, look I'll, I'll do anything. I'll fly anywhere. I'll take my, I'll, I'll pay any expense. Um, and of course I wouldn't think about that, but, but he says, I, I'll do anything to help my son. It's killing my son. And so I've been talking to this family and it seems to be helping. Uh, and, and hopefully he'll, he'll be able to eradicate this thing and be free of it. Cause it's really a, a, it, like it grabs your soul, you know, and it's it's hard to get out of it. Well, I mean, we have we have seen it cost careers, uh, whether it's you know position players. Uh, Mackie Sasser, the the catcher for the Mets, comes to mind. I think Steve Blass might have been the first guy 
who, who was highly publicized, suddenly all-star pitcher, may have right. been on track for a Hall of Fame career, and then one day right. he just couldn't throw strikes anymore. Chuck uh, Knobloch. Yeah, Chuck Knobloch, Rick Ankeel uh, is another yeah. one who comes uh, to mind. Murphy used to be a catcher. Right. He couldn't throw the ball by the pitcher. Put him at first, couldn't throw the ball. They put him in the outfield, and he was a gold glover in center field. So, you know, it, it can't get better. Yeah, but I, I just the fact that that you have been willing to take and again your your words embarrassing humiliation take that experience and be willing to use that to help other people. I wanted to highlight that aspect of it because the, the world needs more of those stories. Thank you, thank you. Well, you know what? It's a I never could figure it out, and uh, I was fortunate to make the All Star game that year in '83, um, and. My mom, I wasn't married at the time, and, and so you could bring whoever you want. So I brought my mother. Uh, my father had just passed away. I brought him to the All-Star Game with me in 82 in Montreal, and he passed away um, in June of the next year of 83. So it was, wasn't a, a month removed that my dad had died that I was going to the All-Star Game again. And so I brought my mother, and I was in the throes of this throwing issue. So it was a tough year. Losing my dad and going through this issue was mm -hmm. pretty heavy. And we're in Chicago for the All-Star Game. We're in the room, and we're getting ready to go down for the festivities. And my mom says, look, one day you're going to look back and be grateful that you went through this issue, that you went through a throwing problem. And I, I thought, you know, Dan, I, I didn't know that my mom was ever into any smoking hashish or any other <laughs> kinds of drugs. Um, and, and I just uh, – I couldn't figure out what she was saying. But she was absolutely right. Yeah. It, made me, it made me a better – I think it made me a better player overall – made me a better person. It put things in perspective for me. Um, and it made me tough as hell. You know, it really <laughs> did. And so I figure I can handle anything. This, this throwing issue is not nearly as tough as my dad was. So yeah. it's, it was okay. I could get it. So, so before we close this out, when you talk to someone who, who comes asking for help and, and it sounds like this, this guy in Alabama, as any parent would be just, just willing to do anything to, to, to see the pain, obviously, that his son is going through taken away, if the, he can get him some help somehow, what, what do you say to someone? What do you say to a kid who's going through something like this? First of all, the first thing I tell him is there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You don't have anything wrong. You're not stupid. You don't have a crazy thought in your head. Your brain's not, you know, patty, uh, cattywampus. There's nothing like that involved with you. What you have is a very, very simple thing. And I ask him a question. Did, 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 did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? Everyone checks the box. I know exactly how it happened. It was a, an instance that made him, you know, throw a ball away and score a run. That's how it happened with me. And now you're, you know, you're thinking about it, whatever. And, I, and so you lose your confidence. And, and so I try to tell them that this will get better. This will dissipate. And one day you're going to be out there playing just for fun like you did in Little League. And that's how it should be done. And, and one day this is going to be gone. And that's the first thing I tell them. And then I give them some steps on how to get their confidence back. And it usually it works. Well, that, that's good stuff. I, I'm, I was just so glad as I, and I'd seen the stories over the years. And, and I think the most recent one was Jose Altuve in, in, yeah. in Houston, uh, that, that you're still willing to do this. Uh, it's just, it speaks very highly of you. And, and as I told you in the broadcast, I'm not telling you that because you're here. I honestly believe that. Um, we're, we're visiting with Steve Sachs. One thing that we didn't get to during your, your visit with us in Greenville, just because of time, and, and we didn't want to eat up time away from your family, you were on deck for one of the most iconic moments in baseball history. 
in the World Series game one, 1988, when Kirk Gibson hit that home run. Before we even talk about everything that went into that, have you ever been so happy not to come to the plate in your life? Actually, it was the opposite. I, he stole all my thunder. I was going to hit it out. <laughs> I, I could have done that. Uh, well, so I'm in the I'm in the on deck circle, and I'm, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, okay, Eckersley is probably going to challenge me, which is good. I like it when p- pitchers challenge me, uh, and I got to figure a way of trying to beat him because the game's on the line. This is this is big stuff, and so I'm thinking is you know, and as I'm thinking, a crack of the bat, and I'm thinking, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore because this ball's out of here. And uh, so it took all that away. But I, I was seriously thinking I can I can win this game right now. And, well, you have and, to though, right? I mean, that's the mindset you have to have. My job. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dennis is a was a great pitcher, and uh, you know you respect those guys, but you don't fear them. And you just uh, it was it was just a professional approach I was going to have to him, and, and didn't have to worry about that in New York because Gibson did his thing. I, I have heard the, the, the great story that Bob Costas has told about this a number of times where he said that Gibson had gone down in, into the batting cage in the tunnel and, and started taking some swings, and somebody stuck their head down and asked what they thought, and I can't remember the coach or whoever it was, said he, he, but Costas said it was like a scene out of a B movie where he said he thinks he's got one good swing. And he, right. can, can you really put into context exactly how – unlikely it was for Kirk Gibson to do what he did in that moment? Well, it, it was, you know, Hollywood wouldn't have bought the script. If you, if you sent it out to him, they would just say, no, it's not going to happen. Um, and, you know, he was banged up, obviously. The, I think the chances of that happening were one in a million, really. I, legitimately, that's about the, what the chance was. And um, Mitch Poole was our, our clubhouse guy, and he's the one that was re- – he was the Pony Express, going back to Tommy, back to Kurt – back to Tommy, finally just told went to Tommy, he said, Tommy, he's going to, he can hit for you in the ninth inning if you'll have him. Tommy says, hell yeah. Tommy said, you're up. And uh, Gibson wasn't even dressed until the eighth inning. He was in his civilian clothes and he wasn't in his uniform. And um, he went down there and put on his, uh, his sliding pads and his sanitaries and says, tell him I'll be ready. He, you know, he went up there and, and did one of the most iconic things ever. It's in, in, not just in baseball, mm-hmm. in sports history. This was, this was a Bobby Thompson-like home run. You know? Yeah, and, and you know, I was actually going to go there. You were in good company uh, about being on deck because you know who was on deck when Thompson hit that home run in 1951, right? Willie Mays? Willie Mays. Wow, I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, my favorite player of all time, yeah. Willie Mays. Yeah. That is really something. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. I'll use that now. There you go. Yeah, great. Um, as as we get set to wrap up, yeah, and you you've been so gracious with us uh, with your time. What what, what uh, you 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 say that that uh, you, besides the radio stuff you're doing now, that you also do professional speaking. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I've been a professional speaker now for a number of years, um, and uh, I speak all over the country. I love it, um, and it's very personal to me when I do a speech. I tailor it just for the company exactly what they want. Um, and, uh, if people want to get a hold of me, they can reach me at Steve Sack speaks. That's my website. Uh, and of course my, my, um, podcast that's going to be coming out is really going to be able to sharpen that and the speech will sharpen my podcast. So I think both of these will kind of work together, you know, uh, in, in that regard. But, um, yeah, I really enjoy going out and making a difference in people's lives and their, in their work. And if you, you watch a person work, I can tell you which kind of, what kind of person they are, mm-hmm. you know, the way they prepare. I really do believe that the day of the game, uh, you know, the day of work, 
whatever uh, a big meeting that comes about. That's all a, the culmination of what you've done behind the scenes. And if you if you want me to gauge somebody and what kind of a athlete they are, or what kind of a worker they are, let me see how they prepare. Let me see that what they're doing when nobody's around. That's that's how you can really tell. I, I got to ask you before we wrap it up. How, how did you like your your trip to Greenville? For those people who don't know, your, your uh, nephew Nick Sogard plays for the Greenville Drive. So you had a yeah. chance to come in and spend a little bit of time here uh, a week or so ago. How'd you like Greenville? For, okay, first of all, let me tell you the the, the how that happened. Nick's uh, my my sister Tammy mm-hmm. married uh, a man named Steve Sogard, which is Eric Sogard's uncle. Right. And, and then Nicholas came into the world, so Nick and Eric are cousins. Um, and because of my side of the family, uh, my sister. So she has so they have so guard blood on one side and sax blood on the other. So it's there, there's lots of baseball in there, okay, mm-hmm. on both sides of him. But Greenville absolutely loved it. Loved going to Greenville. Richard Davis, I don't know if you know Richard Davis, yes. is a friend of mine who renovated the mm-hmm. the museum there at the the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum, which was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in in baseball lore. I, I just absolutely loved going there. The people were so nice. Um, I thought if I didn't have family in California, I would seriously consider buying an old Victorian house there, fixing it up and moving <laughs> to Greenville. I, I just, I just love it there. The people were just so nice. Um, so wholesome. And, uh, this is the kind of America that I love the best is what I saw in Greenville. I loved it there. You think you could have swung by uh, black Betsy effectively? Uh, absolutely not. I, I didn't have hands that big and strong. Like, like she was Joe did. I got, I, I got to feel that in my hand and I was like, man, this is a, this was a real strong man to be able to swing that bat. It was it was remarkable. Yeah, and by the way, I, I sense maybe some sibling rivalry because uh, Tammy made sure to tell you to tell us when you came to the booth uh, a week or so ago that Nick gets all of his athletic ability from her and not you. She made sure that that I really made that remark. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, and there's there's a, there's a lot of truth in that. My sister Tammy was a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. I mean, she was she was gonna she was doing about two months. She's about seven months along, and uh, I saw her hit a golf ball about 150 yards with a seven iron straight down the middle. I saw her sling a football about 30 yards on a line. She had a great arm, and she was very talented. My sister Tammy. So there's some truth in that. And, and yeah. she she's the one who uh, played agent to facilitate this interview. So I want to make sure that I thank her publicly, as I did privately for doing that. Um, Again, thank you so much for your time. Tell everybody about the podcast again, uh, when they can start looking for it, and and just all of those details. Good. Well, we're going to start uh, putting it out on a slow basis as far as we're going to what's called shorts. They're going to be hitting radio stations all over the country on some motivational things, uh, you know, three to four minute blurbs in the morning. Uh, And then the podcast, the long version podcast is going to air next week. So wherever you get your favorite podcast, go to it. It's called Sacks in the Morning. Uh, and we encourage people to listen before they go to work. Yeah, and we say next week we're recording this on July the 12th, so we're, we're talking the week of the 20th, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. We'll be out then. Yep, Good stuff. Be out. Steve, thank you for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Dan, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Wasn't that fantastic stuff? Uh, just incredible, incredible insight, um, incredible uh, openness and transparency from Steve Sachs. Uh, just uh, really excited to bring that to you and want to thank him again for the time that he gave us. This is episode 37 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters slash The Dan Scott Show. We'll be back to put a wrap on things in just a moment.
Every sports fan's goal should be make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, we have you covered with Hall of Fame Sports Grill at 531 Wayne Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Known for their great food and fantastic daily specials, Hall of Fame has you covered with all the game action on their 30 televisions. Plus weekly events like Tuesday night's Bar Trivia for Dummies, Wednesday night's Music Bingo, Thursday night's Dirty Bingo, and Karaoke with Fred Rock every Friday. That's 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard, HalloFameSportsGrill.com. I want to take just a moment here to tell you about my friend, chiropractor Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic in downtown Pickens, South Carolina. He's been my chiropractor. I had some issues a number of years ago and went to him. He has the most modern technology, computerized posture and spinal scans. He took care of my issues. He will take care of yours as well. He's been serving the entire family with chiropractic services since 2007. To lead your best life, you need a healthy spine. Hit a home run for your health with chiropractic care from Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. You can find more at the website, PickensFamilyChiropractic.com, or call 864-898-3300. That's 864-898-3300. You can also schedule appointments online via the Facebook page, Pickens Family Chiropractic, LLC. Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. Tell them Dan Scott sent you. Hey friends, Booty Cothran here, native of Greenville and eight-time competitor on NBC's American Ninja Warrior. And I want to tell you about Motive School of Movement, our new ninja and parkour gym right here in Greenville, where we are teaching movement and functional fitness to people ages five and up and of every ability and skill level, and they're loving it. We've got families that work out together, kids that leave the gym sweating and tired who can't wait to come back. We've even got a 62-year-old member taking adult parkour classes. And if you've got a child who would enjoy a Ninja Warrior-themed birthday party, we're your place. Together with Brett and Grace Sims and Bob Reese, we've created Motive School of Movement in an incredible facility located just behind Haywood Mall on Webb Road. Stop by and see us in person or take a virtual tour at motivemovement.org. That's motivemovement.org. Or just search Motive School of Movement or call us at 864-775-4844. That's 864-775-4844. The power of choice is a game changer in any walk of life, and insurance coverage is no different. Dana McMahon and Goosehead Insurance give you that power. With over 80 insurance carriers to shop, Dana finds the best coverage at the best price. How successful is he? Goosehead's client loyalty score is more than double that of traditional agencies, and the local agency in Taylor's has a 97.8% customer satisfaction rating. Goosehead specializes in home and auto insurance, but offers all lines of personal coverage. And Goosehead's cutting-edge technology speeds up the quote process. Find out how much you can save on insurance today. Call Dana McMahon at Goosehead Insurance, 864-626-6745. That's 864-626-6745. Or visit www.goosehead.com. That's Dana McMahon and Goosehead Insurance. When it's time for a new mortgage or refinance, finding someone with a proven track record of both success and customer service can be an issue. 
Scott Fowler of Guaranteed Rate is the solution to both problems. Scott has helped thousands of clients achieve their home ownership dreams for over two decades and has been recognized as a top 1% originator in the U.S. by both Mortgage Executive Magazine and Scotsman Guide. And about that customer service, 96% of Scott's customers say they would use him again. Take advantage of the incredibly low finance rates while you can. Let Scott and his team guide you through the process start to finish. Call today, 864-915-8779. Again, that's 864-915-8779. Or find out much more online at www.rate.com slash Scott Fowler. Scott Fowler and Guaranteed Rate. We are back to say our goodbyes on this edition of Grumpy Old Broadcasters slash the Dan Scott Show podcast. We uh, thank you again. Episode 37 is in the books. Uh, and, and again, spacing it out a little bit this summer. First of August, we're probably going to be cranking it up again pretty much on a weekly basis. So we're looking forward to that. And then um, uh, just, uh, hey, football season is coming, man. I, I'm all wrapped up in, in Greenville Drive baseball right now but uh, Furman football is coming college football is coming across the board and we couldn't be more grateful to get back to some sense of normality I, I think I've said this before but what I tell people is all I really want to do is get back to my normal level of abnormality and if I can do that I'll be a happy guy so we're, we're thankful that we're heading in that direction. Our thanks again to Steve Sachs for uh, just an incredible interview. Thank you. Thank him for his time and for his willingness to continue to share his story. Uh, thanks to Todaro Pizza on Markley Street in Greenville for being our presenting sponsor of this podcast. All of our other sponsors, thank you as well. Uh, thank you for continuing to listen and support what we are doing here. And I'll remind you again that you can. Uh, start tuning into the Dan Scott Show channel on TuneIn Radio. It's going to be a lot more involved than it is right now, but those placeholder interviews are there. They're just playing one right after another in rotation. It's about six, seven hours worth of material that just continues to, to recycle. But as we get into the fall, it's going to take shape and sound more like a real radio station and uh, going to really get into it. Not only sports interviews, but also sharing my testimony, talks that I've given at some churches and to some other organizations, just kind of sharing my heart with you a little bit. And who knows, we might throw a live show on there from time to time. It uh, remains to be seen. All I can tell you is that I'm enjoying it. I hope you are, and looking forward to growing uh, everything we're doing together. Have a great rest of your week. Again, we're dropping this episode on uh, Tuesday, the 13th of July. Can you believe we're already basically halfway through the seventh month of 2021? My time flies. Pause once in a while. Just take a look around and enjoy some of the things that God has blessed you with, okay? And then go out and make a positive difference in somebody else's life. Until next time, this has been episode 37 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters slash The Dan Scott Show. I am Dan Scott saying God bless you. So long, everybody. Yeah.